Welcome to season two. Oh snap! Of the Games and That podcast show, of course, where Brandon and I talk about games with you guys live on Twitch. Uh, that's new information. That's new. That's new. <laughs> uh, and then we talk about a little bit of this and a little bit of that as well. Good. Summer. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing great. <laughs> doing. Yeah, great. I just didn't feel like reading the prompt today. You know what? Uh, you don't always have to go on script, and that's okay. Now, you know what? That's uh, that's the beauty of season two. It's what we make it. That's right. We're going wild card here. We're going wild card. How's it going, everybody? It's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a few months. Brandon and I, just, I bet you have a lot of questions for those of you that were regular listeners. So uh, we apologize if we kind of left you high and dry there for a little bit. But we want to share with you what's new, what's exciting. And today we want to review a little bit of what we've been up to, especially mm-hmm. over the uh, summer hiatus we took. Brandon. Andrew, what's new with you? Well, uh, you'll notice that I'm in a different space as well as you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just noticed like my nasty cords back here behind my TV that are not Uh, in any fashion. I'm throwing up looking at them. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so um, I guess we'll just jump right into the all the newness. So uh, wife and I, uh, if you recall from I'm pretty sure we talked about it several times. Um, before we took our little hiatus there, uh, we were due for a new baby, which we did have. Mm-hmm. Everything went well. Baby's fine. Wife is fine. Um, so whenever you have a new baby, you got to make a, uh, a nursery. So my office that was upstairs needed to turn into a nursery. So that means that all of my stuff went downstairs. So my basement was unfinished. And <coughs> here I am now in a newly finished basement worked on it for I don't know better part of July for the most part and it was yeah. more or less usable by uh, beginning of August moved my stuff down we still got a couple odds and ends little you know finishing touches to, to finish up but um, it's coming together uh, I got a couch full of pictures that I've yet to hang because whenever you have a newborn it's just effing crazy they probably don't want to hammer into the walls while your newborn's sleeping. Oh, that's what command strips are for, my friend. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. But Yeah, um, don't dirty up those new walls. Yeah, so did that. Uh, you know, had a nice little summer vacation off from uh, from school. So, you know, just came back to school and uh, new baby at the beginning of the school year. Not the best timing, but uh, here we are. So what about you? What's new with you? Wow. Uh, a lot of the same stuff, yeah. uh, as you'll notice, like you mentioned, I'm in a new space, uh, bought a house over the summer. Congrats. Uh, Congrats. A house that needed some thank you, uh, needed some renovation. So I spent the better part of July uh, when we closed on it, actually getting everything in order, painting it, getting new flooring, getting new carpeting, getting new uh, accoutrement and <laughs> updating all the uh uh, furniture and filling out as much as we can, building out our own nursery. Because if you'll recall, my now wife, who congrats again, we got thank you, we got married over the summer as well. Um, 
We've got a baby girl on the way as well, who's due November 15th. Uh, so we're getting things ready and we're in full on third trimester nesting mode. Oh, yeah. Uh, getting everything turned up to 11 in anticipation of a little one coming. That's awesome. Exciting time. So it's, uh, yeah, we've had, uh, we've had a busy <laughs> summer. So if you'll, uh, just excuse us for, uh, right. our little, uh, our time off, it was, it was not underutilized by any stretch. So no, not at all. And I mean, if anything, it's going to make just streaming from home and, uh, maybe doing some other things on top of that a lot easier on both of us. Yeah. Uh, since yeah. we're going to be entering dadhood, um, oh, yeah. Well, I'll be entering dadhood. You've been well into dadhood for I've, years. I've re-upped my membership to the dad club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, more on that. Um, I think just in the discussions that we had, and for those listening who care to listen, to, to know what our thought process is, there's not really too much that goes on uh, in the gaming world in the summer. It's kind of my time to catch up on backlog stuff, mm-hmm. um, real life stuff, uh, when I'm not sitting around pumping hours into whatever's new and hot. Um, Dirty. Very dirty. There was a hundred better ways to say that. Um, But yeah, we decided that when we came back, um, we wanted it to be during a time where there was a lot of stuff happening, a lot of things going on, a lot new games dropping, maybe some other things. But we also didn't want the podcast to just be about games. And we were hoping that we'd be able to pull in a little bit more of the uh, inat that comes along. Um, And hopefully there will be some episodes in the future when there isn't a lot of gaming news. we have a lot of ideas here in our uh, shared doc here that we've been throwing back and forth of what we can do. That's not necessarily gaming related, but something that maybe we're passionate about and that we'd want to share with you guys in a time where maybe there's not too much going on. Yeah. Um, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to do seasons of the podcast. Uh, we'll take, you know, um, June, July, August off every year so we can have a summer. Maybe there will be some pre-recorded stuff we can throw your way. But for the most part, anything live and streaming, we would want to do from September through uh, yeah. the beginning of June. More of the, the prime time, you know, when releases yeah. are coming out. Yeah, because boy, is it getting hot and heavy right now if we're sticking with the naughty uh, analogies. Even just today, the announcements from Nintendo today, just throwing them out there. Yeah, um, that's true. There was a Nintendo Direct that was thrown on us uh, today that they announced was happening yesterday. So we were just talking about it before the podcast. Might be worth mentioning a little bit before we get into what we were up to over the summer in terms of gaming. Right. Yeah. yeah, they finally announced, I think it was teased for a while, about Super Nintendo games coming. What's going to happen? How are they going to release them? Is it going to be like the NES library online? Is it going to be uh, very similar to um, what they've been doing before? Um, are they going to charge for an upgraded tier of service? How are they going to get the money out of this one? Um Lo and behold, all the SNES games that you would pretty much want for the most part, like the big names, like your Link to the Past, your Super Mario Worlds, your Super Mario Karts, etc. Those are all going to be dropping with a few other no-name games tomorrow. Yeah. Whatever that means, if that's tonight at midnight or if that's tomorrow right away. Um, No, we're not matching on purpose. (laughs) I I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't even um, notice it until it was pointed out. <laughs> but no, um, that is that is Wavelength right there. That's Wavelength, yeah. If you want to chat with us live, you can join us on twitch.tv slash thegamesnatpodcast. Yeah, our uh, new home. 
hopefully our new home uh, where we'll be checking everything out here but um yeah uh, they're all all those snes games are dropping tomorrow again whether that's tonight at midnight or actually some at some point tomorrow um and there's going to be 10 games again like i mentioned a bunch of the ones that you would want and some of the ones that you've never heard of uh and then they're also going to be releasing a controller interestingly enough that is exclusive only to nintendo switch online members and it's a super nintendo bluetooth controller looks exactly like one of the old snes controllers so okay here's a good question i don't know if you saw the answer to this because pretty much all of my information about this uh treehouse that they did um came from you when we were texting earlier um i did see a picture of the the controller um is that what it looks like across all regions or does like the japanese one does it have like the uh the multicolored buttons like the Famicom? that's a great question i watched the north american direct and Mm -hmm. i wonder if they would have pumped in videos that had like the famicom look the super famicom look of like the the different colored buttons so what brandon's referring to is in north america switch but or super nintendo controllers had purple buttons they had light purple buttons two Mm -hmm. of which were concave and two of which were convex um I think A and B were convex, and then the concave ones were X and Y. Uh, but the Super Famicom actually had a yellow, green, blue, and red button, and they were all concave. Mm-hmm. Um, big difference in the NES. It's just like the NES and the and the Super in the in the Famicom itself. The Famicom being gold and red and black versus the Way gray, different. black one and red one we got in the states. Yeah, uh, that's be- a good question. I'd be interested I because I, I know that like the like any of the other hardware is not region specific. Um, mm-hmm. I think so. Like whenever you buy the multicolored switch packages here in the like the North American package, um, yep. your red and your blue are on like I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head. I think your blue is uh, I think red is your left Joy-Con and blue is your right Joy-Con. Yeah. Wh- whatever it is here, it's the opposite in in Japan. Interesting. That's how people get two blues and two reds. Is oh. they like swap? There's actually like a subreddit where people like just swap controllers. That's actually pretty cool. Interestingly enough, yeah, I found that out when I was looking into um, the controllers. I guess so they they make them the shells as a pair. Um, yeah, just so that they then they just flip flop them. There's so many colors out there now. Yeah. From when the Switch first came out, they still make such I mean, weird so choice combinations. Colors, though, even with the uh, uh, the Switch Lite. Or as I like to call it, the light oh, switch. Yeah. yeah, the gray, yeah, light switch. The gray ones, uh, there's the gray one, and then there's turquoise and, and then just yellow, like straight. Like canary yellow. yellow. Oh, yeah. It's you not know, even that like yellow Pikachu one, yellow. That yellow one would look sweet with the uh, the black buttons and the black thumbsticks. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm almost positive. If it's the same size stuff, somebody's taking it apart and somebody's swapping out the uh, the buttons and the hardware for sure. Well, that's what I did. If you recall in one of the past episodes when we talked about the D brand decals that we both got mm-hmm. around Christmas, um, I you got the orange and black ones, and I got the yellow and black ones. Right. So the yellow on the black does look very nice, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, they announced a bunch of other stuff in the treehouse um, aside from the SNES library, which was the big thing that we were looking for. Um, I think they're going to be re-releasing a, a Xenoblade Chronicles, which was originally released on Wii U. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the definitive edition of that. There's no upgraded textures or anything. I think it's just a literal re-release of the title, uh, which interests me. I've 
I'm, I'm more trusting of Nintendo now, and I'll get to more of that later when we start talking about the games we were playing. But um, yeah, I would try Xenoblade out. It seems interesting. The world seems pretty cool. I'd be interested to see what that game is like. Yeah, it looks really cool. Like I've I've never played. The only exposure I have to that game is the uh, the Shulk. I think it is in mm-hmm. uh, Smash. That's and, my uh, only exposure. And the the stage that comes from that game. And that stage looks awesome. It's probably one of the coolest Smash Brothers stages. Just like it's one of my favorite Smash Brothers visually. stages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that that enough right there is enough to get me to kind of you know raise my eyebrow and say maybe I do want to look yeah. at that. They also pimped a bunch of their upcoming stuff like Luigi's Mansion Three. They mm-hmm. talked about um, uh, I think they talked about Astral Chain a little bit, which just came out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about uh, the new Animal Crossing coming out. Um, so there's your typical treehouse. I think the, the craziest thing that came out of it was the SNES. But they also are re-releasing uh, Doom sixty four. Um, Bethesda had a little piece of it where the president of Bethesda came out and was like, hey, yeah, this is a thing that we're adding to just the Switch library, so go to town with that. Which is cool, because Doom 64 is a completely different game from the original Doom Mm -hmm. and was never re-released as far as I know uh, anywhere else. Yeah, but So that'll be interesting. And then uh, they're also releasing random old games like Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Fallen, or Jedi... uh, Total left field. Outcast. Yeah. Total left field. Maybe it's hype for the new Jedi Outcast game that's coming out from Fallen uh, Order. Yeah, I don't know. Fallen Order, but um, I don't know. It's not like it's coming out on Switch, so I don't know why. I don't hate it. I mean, it's that's one of the better Star Wars yeah, games. Like, I mean, I would have much rather than put some time into like like a like a Dark Forces series collection where you get dark forces dark forces 2 and then some of the jedi Knight. dark forces 2 plays really really well in the switch like if you recall from i think might have been actually one of the last if not the mm-hmm. last episode uh, of the first season it was the one right before it um i was going back through and playing it spoiler oh yeah the star it. wars special um, we did <clears throat> but uh Dude, when I went back and played it, like it holds up even as like a very like early first person shooter with like actual like full mouse control support played really well. Um, So I could see that gaining new life on uh, Switch and it'd be really cool if they did like a remaster and, uh, you know, updated it a little bit. uh, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Um, You might have actually listened to the same episode, Um, but they were talking about, um, would you rather have remakes and remasters of previous titles that you maybe you didn't get a chance to play or or haven't had the opportunity to put the time and effort into that you wanted to because of limitations at the time or whatever it is mm-hmm. or would you rather have studios be putting more time into new IPs and games that you don't know that you want and new things to play because resources are limited time budget all that stuff you got to consider if a studio is putting all this time into a remaster they're not obviously focusing on new IPs etc right um so my answer to that, answer to that. twofold so one <laughs> um i think knee jerk would be uh, to say remakes and remasters because they're generally like a known quantity um you know something that's you know a a bad game uh generally is not going to get a remake or a remaster so if they're going to put the time into it you know that there's something that at the very least has a following big enough to to warrant it getting remade or remastered 
Um, but at the same time, when you look at all these remakes and remasters that have been coming out lately, um, it's not like a major first party studio that's doing them. There are a lot of studios nowadays that only specialize in um, strictly remaking and remastering games and um, porting. So, right. So it's not going to it's not going to be a case where, well, you know, if we get this remake remaster, we are not going to get anything new because these companies that have become very skilled at that process of doing those good remakes, um, that's kind of their bread and butter. That's what they do. So Mm -hmm. I guess I would say both. (laughs) Is that an option? (laughs) Yes and no. I see where you're coming from, but I guess the idea is if the studios that were focused and dedicated to remaking and remastering, if you could free them up and give them, a budget to make a new IP, whether it's an indie game IP or it's a triple A level type budget. What would you want to see from them? Or are you like, give me the good stuff again and then also give me some of the new stuff or it doesn't really matter. I'll just prioritize my time as I need to and play whatever I want. I think I'd rather them stick with what they're doing because they're putting out, you know, good titles um, it's a good way to preserve these classic games that are already out there. So I guess I'm okay with the status quo of these studios that are focusing on that to continue to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with that. I was just curious what you thought. No, no, I agree. Because I, it seems like more often than not, when we're getting new announcements of games, at least a quarter to a third of what we're hearing are re-releases, remasters, remakes, etc. I think so. Like, straight up re-releases or anything that's just like you know here's here's the old version but we've just up it and we gave you some textures that were already out on pc like five years ago those right. ones those don't sit well with me but stuff where it like like resident evil 2 which we talked about last season spyro uh, spyro crash team crash. racing mm-hmm. you know Link's awakening that's coming out at the end of this month stuff like that where it's like ground up basically like the ultimate tribute to that classic game that you know and mm-hmm. love I love that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, And I I don't think that we're going to see that slow down at any point because nostalgia sells and it sells really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's easy money for the companies and, you know, the publishers that are involved with that whole process. So it's uh, until people stop buying them, it's not going to stop at all. Yeah. Nope. Totally agree with you. Quick question here. Yeah. If you had to pick one game that has not been remade or remastered, what would that one game be and why? I already know my answer. Oof. Wow. That's a, that's let's, a loaded question. Let's, let's, let's get a little more specific wow. instead of just like a straight up uh, remaster or remake. Let's say uh, something in the, in the ballpark of what they did from taking Resident Evil 2 and updating it to like very modern day standards, something along those lines. I see. Uh, kind of like breathing new life into an yes. IP. Something that was already good that while maybe still not a lot of people nowadays. Similar. Right. Yep. Got it. Oh, that's tough because I'm this of two minds. For me. <laughs> oh, wow. It's I'm of two minds. I have this feeling that there are the games that I love that are older games that would do from a remake remaster. We'll, we'll say remake for the sake of the mm-hmm. argument. Cause that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, 
the, the older games that I, I hold in high regard, like your Super Metroids and your Super Mario Worlds or your like even more recently, like your Ocarina of Times or Red Dead Redemptions, um, games that I hold in very high regard, I think are very much also products of their time. And it's it behooves you to experience them as they were at the time, not necessarily original hardware, but like mm-hmm. the original game itself. Um I think there are remasters that make exceptions to that rule, like the Ocarina of Time 3D, as well as the Majora's Mask 3D, that really breathe new life into those old N64 polygonal Zelda games. Um, Man, that's really tough. (sighs) But then there's so many other games that, like, I don't know that I want remade. And when they get remade and I play them, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This is exactly what I wanted. Like, I'm really excited about the Final Fantasy VII remake because I can't stand playing JRPGs. Yes. And I, this one is like a more <laughs> we are a third in the person. Same mindset on that. Action beat em up with strategy, with real time strategy. So I'm kind of leaning towards something like that. I really have to think about the game that the one game that I would want. Well, here, let me hit you with mine. And yeah, hit me with yours first. Spark something. Uh, I would love to see a remake from the ground up of Metal Gear. Not Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear as in like the I was original gonna say, one. I was going to say the original Zelda title. <clears throat> like the original like NES OG Zelda. original gold cart Zelda. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting to see how they would put that twist on it. You'd probably get a little bit of Breath of the Wild where you can go wherever you want and do whatever you want, but it's not necessarily recommended that you do it yeah i do think that is actually a a big draw a big thing they draw from when drew draw drew 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 from yeah Yeah. (laughs) drew from whenever they made breath of the wild oh Um, for sure because i mean like you said i mean you could go wherever you wanted pretty much from go um Mm -hmm. and it was just like you could there were some some dungeons you had to do in a certain order that made things a little bit easier but you could essentially do them in whatever order you wanted or you could discover them and uh, your only indicator that you were like maybe out of your depth would be just the fact that it, it would say in a little mini map like level one, level two, and, and and but that aside from that, that was it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the original Metal Gear would be really cool. Would you do? Would you? You'd have to have a Fox engine or whatever the new Fox engine equivalent is. What? Whatever. So I mean, I guess it would have to be through Konami. So I'm assuming they have the Fox engines laying around somewhere, just making videos for a Pachinko machine. So that's unbelievable. <clears throat> and what's even more unbelievable is that the stuff that we've seen from Death Stranding thus far, like the gameplays and stuff, it looks identical to the Fox engine. Which they used. Uh, didn't they use the same engine it, that they used for Horizon Zero Dawn? I don't know. All right, I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, you look that <laughs> Vamp up. Vamp for a minute while I do some research. Yeah, I don't know. I really think of like the original, but I would want if you're gonna remake the original Zelda, I would want them to stay true to the concept art from that original Zelda. I don't want them to update it and give it like that darker feel that they have in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really want it to stay true of like Ganon being like a, a literal cartoon pig. While Link is like that little skinny teenage looking yeah. boy with, you know, brown hair, green tunic, brown pants type look. Yeah. With like the the cross on the shield and stuff. Like that's what I want. I think make that it, would be really make it cool. The, the concept art that you play. 
Yeah, and th- they could even be like, we've totally recreated the world and like the dungeon layout's the same, but everything's just a little bit different. Like I would be very into that. I think that would be very cool. I think so we're getting so off course here, but I like it. Oh yeah. Um <clears throat> This just popped into my head. So as we know, um Link's Awakening is coming out at the end of this month. Countdown mm-hmm. is what twentieth, it's the fourth, so you do the math. Not very long. Um, yeah, a couple weeks. My hope here, hear me out, is since the Oracle of Ages, Agents, Ages, and Oracle of Seasons uh, games on Game Boy, since they use like most of the same assets from Link's mm-hmm. Awakening, I'm hoping that maybe, just maybe, Nintendo may, wants to make a couple more bucks and they push those out, you know, in a year or two. You just do like a like a complete series remake of just a give lot me of the all those give Zeldas. me all those Game Boy Zelda games that came out you know from you know when they when they first did Link's Awakening DX in color and then they did the Oracle of Ages and the Oracle of Seasons. I want that. I think those were the only three that were on Game Boy Color, yeah. and then Game that. Boy Advance brought Minish Cap. Yep, Minish and Cap. And then Four Swords Adventures. A, they did a oh, they the did Link, Link, to, Link to the Past remake. Where you had the you had the kid link sounds from Ocarina of Time. Really? Yeah. Wow, I don't remember. Just the swishy swishy sword, it was like hop blah. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. That was the way so that was the second time I played through uh Ocarina of Time. And it was awesome. Or not Ocarina of huh. Time. Link to the Past. Awesome. Link to the Past. Man, we're so rusty. Yeah. <laughs> Off my game. Anyway. <clears throat> uh yeah, that was uh, wow. That yeah, that was a, that was a very off-topic discussion. You know uh, what? It was good though. Yep, perfect. Classic us. Um, but like we mentioned at the top of the show, we had uh, ourselves a bit of a summer. Uh, aside from all the life changes we had, we played a buttload of games. Some of us um, more than others. Some of us more than others. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but Brandon, we have we actually have we have three shared games. Yes, uh, three of mine have <laughs> also played. <laughs> yeah, which one? Which one do you want to start with? Uh, dealer's choice. Let's start with AC Odyssey because that seems to be one that I think, we have I think that is the one that we the both one. played the most of uh, between the two of us, as far as like our yeah. overlap. You want to start? Or you want me to start? <laughs> no, you you start because you definitely okay. have a lot more positive things okay. to say about it. All right, yeah. So this, I would say, this has been my like number one game of the summer, not necessarily mm-hmm. in terms of quality. It's just this is the one that I put the most time into because it's a massive, massive beast of a game. Um, That's an understatement. I think another part of my enjoyment of this game, just to kind of preface all of this, um, because it's a little atypical with how you may or may not view a game from your own perspective is um, when I started playing this. So um, pretty much as soon as you get into it, you can realize like, okay, this is drawing a lot from games like specifically like the Witcher three and other RPG games like that. Mm. Um, And you have the option to choose between a male and a female protagonist. So with all that stuff in mind, my wife loves any game that gives you the option to play as a female character, especially when the female character is arguably the better of the two choices in terms of like voice acting and just general uh, motion capture also might be one of the best characters in the ac series i would agree with that uh however there are 
a lot of people that would disagree. This is by far the most polarizing game in the whole entire Assassin's Creed series. I completely agree with you. Um, but we'll, we'll come back around to that. Yep. Uh, but so going into this, uh, my wife loves The Witcher. She loves games where you have the choice to play as a female character. Uh, before I got too far into it, basically I got like enough of a lead where uh, you know the idea was I wanted to get her to play it as well. I wanted to get enough of a lead that when she was playing it while I was you know hanging out up on the couch or whatever, um, that I wouldn't be getting any spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we went out, went to GameStop, got it used for real cheap, like maybe twenty bucks, <clears throat> about the same that I paid for it on Steam when it was on sale around Christmas last year. And uh, we both played through it, you know, parallel to one another. So it was it was cool because we both were able to kind of share our experiences. And there's just so much stuff to do in that game that she was finding stuff that I either uh, just opted not to do yet that ended up being really cool. Or, you know, I would find an item and be like, hey, you should go to this island here and then you'll find you know, a really cool weapon, or a really cool piece of armor. Um so it was really cool because it kind of reminded me of like back in the day whenever you'd get a new game and you and your buddies would sit there and talk about, uh, you know, the cool secrets and the stuff that you found in the game, you know, predating the Internet when you could just, you know, Google that and, and there it is. Yeah. Um, so that I think for me, that was why I played it so much, aside from the fact that, I mean, it's a really, really genuinely fun game. Um, like I said, it's huge in terms of the scale of the map. Uh, and the amount of like side stuff there is to do. Um, my favorite part, the thing that immediately sold me on this, whether people consider this to be like a true Assassin's Creed game or not, is um, if you think back to the first time that you played uh, Assassin's Creed 2, and once you progress so far in the story and you start learning about like this conspiracy that's going on, going on against Ezio's family, um, in your menu you get a tab that's just like this web of conspirators and they all have just like a question mark over their face. And that moment of realization when you're like, Oh, these are all the people that I have to figure out who they are, figure out where they're at. And then these are my actual targets for assassination throughout the course of the game. When I saw the web for this game, I was just like, yes, this is the exact same feeling of excitement that I had years ago when I played Assassin's Creed 2. There's so many people to find and track down and they give they all give you. um, So the web is like separated into like segments. Each segment has five members. The uh, five members will give you uh, separate pieces for your armor. And then there's uh, an inner ring which each node in the inner ring connects to one of those side arms. So you'll mm. get basically a full armor set and a weapon from taking out one entire arm of the cult. As you take out the different people within the cult, you can get clues that'll tell you where to find the other members in that branch. And then eventually you'll get enough clues to figure out who like the head of that branch is. So there's a lot of like, you know, plotting, like what armor set do you want? How do I find them? Oh, they're 15 levels above me. I'm going to have to wait for that tons of stuff to do not just like and that's just like one part of it so side quests um very witcher-esque in that generally you know it's not just gonna be like can you go find me five boar skins guy like there's some kind of purpose or, or narrative to it it's not just you know like the the typical rpg trope killing animals and bringing back their their pelts right um, or kill rats in the basement right um a lot of the quests, uh, there's like a lot of twists and turns, like things you wouldn't expect in a side quest that in a lot of other games might be some, uh, you know, uh, 
like more main quest type of plot twists and turns. Um, so the side quests are always fun. They give you loot. They give you, um, you know, experience and so on. And generally when you go into stuff, uh, the actual, the amount of experience you get whenever they put it into like the quest log, yeah. it's color coded just like your items are. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, blue is rare, uh, purple is legendary. And then, you know, gold is exotic. So those correspond to how much experience you get. So you can see like, okay, I'm really trying to power level here. I'm going to focus on purple and, and gold quests, you know, with the ones that I have. So, yeah, um, lots of quests, lots of stuff to do. Um, some other kind of quality of life features that I was just all about was the, uh, the armor transmog system. Um, basically any piece of armor you get in the game. I think we mentioned this at some point last season. Um, any piece that you get, once you have it, you can apply that armor's appearance to any subsequent armor that you gain. So yep. if you like the look, uh, of a set, but the stats are kind of junk, you can put the look of that armor onto, you know, the stuff that you do, like the stuff that has the stats that you want. So you don't have to run around looking like it's laundry day, like you often do in like destiny because you're trying to have the stuff that plays better than it looks. Um, so that was much appreciated by me. And that also applies to your, uh, your weapons. Um, what else here? I'm just kind of going down my list. I dug the combat system. <clears throat> uh, I thought it was pretty fun. It's kind of, I would describe it as like a, a soul's light, you yeah, have like the typical stuff, you know, like a short roll, long roll, heavy yeah, and quick that's attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say there's parrying, there's dodging, right. there's yeah, not as punishing, but I think that's okay for this game. The way that this game plays, it's not like super serious. It doesn't really take itself that seriously 100% of the time. It does have its serious moments, uh, but it's not, you know, you know, super serious. Like some of them have been in the past. They're just like almost to the point where it's like overly serious and kind of like brooding, like uh, Assassin's Creed three. I kind of got that impression. A little. I don't, I don't know if I totally agree because if I, it, it's pretty relentless. Like if you're one-on-one, maybe two on one, maybe even three or four on one at certain points, uh, I would say that it's, it's not too bad, but if you run into one of those forts and guys are sounding alarms and you've got mercenaries on your tail, mm-hmm. you will die unless you go hide yeah. and run away. Right. There is and, no fighting. Out and of there's that absolutely stuff. situations where guys that you normally just kind of, you know, tower over, uh, where, you know, you make a wrong move and they'll get a, like, you know, two or three like good hits on you or they'll stagger you and, and you'll die. And oh, for sure. Normal enemies. So there is some challenge to it. Some people, you know, from what I've gathered, aren't aren't really enthused with it. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I think it strikes oh, a good I balance between you. frustrating and uh, you know challenging. You feel like you're in control. Um, it's like control wise, like specifically like making you know the inputs and stuff. Um, at first, I thought this was an issue because I was just using a controller on my PC, where sometimes like my inputs wouldn't really be detected. But the other nice thing about having someone else playing it on a different platform at the same time was she was also encountering those problems. So oh, it wasn't uh, wasn't unique to you know PC or anything. It was PC. also happening mm-hmm. on PS4, like the exact same thing. So some weird inputs where um, like it wasn't detecting. Like so when you pair, you have to hit two buttons at once. Um, she and I both had the issue where it was not picking up the parry, or you know, even though we were like mashing the buttons, like you know fighting for a life type situations, and it would just right. screw up. Um, so that was frustrating, but I mean, it was something that you could work around, um, not game breaking or, you know, experience halting by any means. Um, 
the ability tree is pretty cool. Um, unlike most ability trees, I found myself using a lot of uh, you know the stuff that's in there. All of it has you know a good utility to it. There's not anything that really overlaps too too much. There's a couple things that do kind of samey sort of stuff, um, but they do have their merits. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that's. I'm all about it. I had a blast playing it. I'm pretty close to the end. Um, I know Hannah finished it. I'm still maybe like one or two. I feel like I've got to be close to the, the end. Like I would say like maybe five main story missions until I wrap things up. But I still have like a ton of side quests. And there's like a secondary main quest that you get about at the halfway mark that I still have some stuff to do where there's like some higher level, more challenging enemies. Um, oh, the mythical beasts that you come across mm-hmm. in the, the game. cyclopses and yeah. stuff. They're really yeah. cool. Uh, the way that they kind of tie them into the fact that they're like created by the uh, the Isu, like the those that came before. Um, I thought that was a really cool way to incorporate those kind of fantastical elements into a game that's like normally pretty, you know, realistic in its depiction of the time period. Um, so I enjoy the game. Um, I think it also is worth mentioning that whenever I came into this game, I was not coming into it looking specifically for an Assassin's Creed experience. It was kind of like ancient Greek mythology RPG first, and then as the Assassin's Creed type elements kind of layered on, I was like, okay, I accept this. Bring these in. I like this stuff. So Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job of not initially like thrusting you into this world where not everything is as it seems just yet. Right. Because I always loved that the idea that there's a fantastical element to things, mm-hmm. but much like in Indiana Jones, you don't get that until the very, very, very end. Right. Which is I, I love that pacing. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as throw you into the deep end as like say in Uncharted, where you go from having you know this fairly realistic or you know what you would expect to be like a realistic exploration experience and all of a sudden it's like oh they're zombies they're real well no because you can jump off cliffs in this game and be fine also one of the best abilities i throw myself off of everything oh (laughs) yeah yeah it's the best um i i still enjoy the game i there's just so much of it there's so much game there's so much land to cover there's so much sea to cover uh, by sea, I mean water. Mm-hmm. There's so many people to kill. There's so many people to talk to. So many missions to get. And if you really want to get the full experience of this game, we're talking a hundred and twenty plus hours yeah. without question. I've been playing this game, trying to do a lot of that stuff. I gave up three quarters of the way through my full playthrough, and I was just like, "Screw it! I'm just gonna." mainline the main quest i just want to see what happens and even that was like stopping me and saying well before you do that let's take down like these branches of cultists which mm-hmm. i had been doing up until this up until the point where i was at but right. it was totally like no we to do it too so it's not oh like- absolutely it's the best part of the game i wish that was the game i don't mm-hmm. need all of the other stuff that comes with it i don't need all the other story missions all the other side quests and main missions if the game was just hey man there's 38 cultists six of which are really important it's up to you to go find them and and kill them Mm -hmm. and whether that's going to towns and talking to people taking small jobs to get more information which is what the game is structured like but it hides a lot of the stuff behind uh those walls or so i thought until i killed a leader not knowing 
he was a cultist and it took down uh, a, a whole cultist branch for me just killing one person because I killed the head of the serpent right. essentially and it revealed everybody else because now I had information on all the other people mm-hmm. from the branch and I was able to just go take care of them I assume I would have organically run into that had I not been doing the thing I always do which is when I play an open world game it's okay I'm going to get as much of the map unlocked as I can so that traveling is much easier and then I'll take on a bunch of the side quests and some of the main stuff along the way so that I'm of adept level to deal with a lot of this stuff Um, because the way that the world works in Assassin's Creed is the different islands are different levels of enemies Mm -hmm. so you can't Immediate, you can immediately sail over to the level 50 island if you want to, if you're a level five. But yeah, you're going to get wrecked right off the bat. Um, yeah, this what I want, what I applaud Assassin's Creed Odyssey for is the lack of linearity. Mm -hmm. When it's like, hey, kill this person, it's not trying to do the thing where it's like, go stand in this particular spot wait for this particular amount of time and then you have a window to shoot this person if you don't shoot this person they get away and mission fail this game is very much one of the leaders of this town is a is a cultist but he has taken shelter somewhere else right and you just have to figure it out right and then oftentimes literally a well-guarded fort and you've got a right and when i get there sneak in there Right. And it's like, do I want to sneak in there? Do I just want to cause a distraction? Do I just want to go in swords blazing and mm-hmm. kill everybody and just, you know, you really have like on? it's it is such a great sandbox for that. That's the thing. best way to describe it. It's the best sandbox Assassin's Creed game ever, yeah. because even in a lot of the past Assassin's Creed games, like early, early, early on, you had like little tiny areas to play with. So when you were having to do like a major assassination, it would only happen within like the courtyard of something. And if you were spotted or the black box area, I think is what they called it in, uh, in unity. Yes. Um, that stuff is so annoying to me. Mm -hmm. I would rather just hear the tools, go to town, like build your own sandcastle, make it what you want. And I really appreciate that. There's just, this game is so ambitious and it, it, really delivers on a lot of the promises that it makes but there's no other game like this this is a full-on greek assassin simulator where you are living the part and breathing the part Mm -hmm. as much as you are just playing an assassin's creed game um and it got to the point where i'm very close to the end too i have most of if not all of the map unlock aside from some very small blocks of water that i'm not going to be traversing by ship um unless there's uh you know some of the cultists are out at sea Mm. i think i've gotten most of those but um it's gotten to a point where when i do take a mission it's like yeah go all the way over to this fort and i'm like okay where's the closest eagle point okay that's out in the middle of nowhere and i could go to any one of these three points i guess i'll just travel to this one grab my horse or just run it out and then that's what my game becomes it just becomes a lot of traveling and footwork and horsework and ship work versus like doing the thing that i should have done and it's my fault i should have unlocked the world as it wanted me to see but that's, since that's what i me- did and i think i had a much more positive experience because right. of it but because it gave me the option to not do that and it didn't lock me out of anything, which I also appreciate, I abused it. And I was like, I want to see the whole world before I do anything important. And that was not the way to play this game. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I pretty much like the if it was suggesting that I go to an area, I was like, okay, I'm gonna poke around that corner of the map for a while, uh, basically until I got bored, and then I would move on to the next area as you know it logically made sense mm-hmm. instead of just kind of you know going out and just. Well, doing what I would normally do, which is exactly what you described. Try to find all the fast travel points so that you can get around more quickly. And I think so, despite the fact that this game has like so many little question marks, little uh, mission nodes and side quests. And now they added this mm-hmm. thing where you can this make is your own map missions. overlay overload for whatever reason, even though this is probably one of the most overwhelming in terms of checking off all the boxes on the map. I feel like this game has like cured me of that need to find every little thing and check every box on the list off. I pretty much once I got into the routine of just going where I felt like going and just I mean, so you and I, we both listened to DLC and there was like a mm-hmm. period of time where Jeff like literally just talked about <laughs> Odyssey for like maybe a period of like two months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that kind of colored my experience with this, but he he was always saying like he was just gonna go and do what was fun and uh you know being i think right around that time we were both having a conversation about how we can't stand having all those map markers on there that we haven't checked off yet you can turn them off Uh, you can turn them off you can turn them off that is that is valid um I left them on just so that they're there. So if I was like passing through and something, was I wrong. have to leave them on. My OCD does not allow me <laughs> to turn them off. I can't stand grayed out map and question marks. It is my downfall. <laughs> it will be what's on my gravestone will just be a question mark with a gray plot that nobody <laughs> has seen yet because they haven't been there. That's excellent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, if something, if I was doing something, whether it was a side quest or whatever, and like I put, you know, I would put a reasonable amount of time into it to either finish it. But if it like felt too long or it was boring or like I just like wasn't feeling that area, I just stopped. I just went to the next thing, chased what was fun. And then eventually I would come back around to that. And when it was fun, I did it. Um, great example of that is you have a series of um, I forget what they're called. They're, they're not mythical creatures, but they're like large beasts like actual like boars and lions and stuff yeah they're the legendary animals. legendary animals yeah the the, it's called it's a quest called like the hunt or the legendary hunt and you have to hunt down all the legendary beasts and you get the hunter's um armor set which i'm wearing currently i did all of them but the last two and i was just done with it and i don't even care I don't that was some care. of my favorite stuff. That's bonkers. So I do. I felt like some of the the fights. So the, the biggest, the big difference between fighting like they're a rough, person man. and an animal <laughs> is a person when they're attacking with their like swords and spears and stuff. You can parry that all day long if your timing's good. With the animals, there's no parrying. It's strictly dodging, rolling, and positioning, mm-hmm. making sure that you're on their backside or where they can't attack you from. And a lot of them have some really BS attacks that just frustrating to no end. So once I stopped having fun with that, I was like, I don't need to do this. I don't don't need to do this. This armor set isn't going to be the end all be all. Uh, there's other sets. Dude, there's so many armor sets in this game. There's Tons. 15 exotic armor Tons. sets. And you can look exactly how you want to look, which is how right. every game with cosmetic as items should you, be. As long as you've previously unlocked the item. Yes. You can use which it. Which yeah. I 100% agree with that. 
But any game that gives you any kind of customization of your visual appearance, once you have it, who cares what the stats are? Let me put that item on top of the stats that I have already procured and that I want. Let me look the way that I want. Let me feel cool. That's why I'm playing yeah. this game. It's it, dude. It's feeling and feeling good is just as important as looking good. Yes, in game, one hundred percent agree. My biggest beef with Assassin's Creed is, and when I'll, I'll leave it at this, you can comment on it as you will. My biggest thing that frustrates me is because I I went ahead and did a bunch of stuff that I probably shouldn't have done prior to just following the story and letting the game guide me where it wanted me to go. I spent my time on every island getting up to snuff so that I could move on to the next island of applicable level and continue that trend until I had everything kind of unlocked and was doing side quests along the way and stuff. So that means I was doing every fort, every cave, every bandit camp, every military camp. I did all of the um, uh, fights between Sparta and Athens on all of the islands and didn't you know, help any of those. That I didn't do any fight that I, I didn't did have to do. All of that stuff <laughs> because there's a well, specifically, there's a cultist that can only be killed in a battle for one of right. the. The only ones that I have done have been the ones that are tied to finishing story. the cultist tree which like that it brings me immense satisfaction like i don't know yeah. what it is it's just yeah, like, dude it's like putting punctuation in your sentence it's working like working through all these people i think i think a lot of it has to do with the your character's reasoning and their their motivations for taking down the cult mm-hmm. so it's like so satisfying and just i don't know it, it's different from for getting a cultist cross off the list is so much more satisfying than it is to like finish off random side quests. And I think 100%, a lot of, I would I would rather kill a hundred cultists than kill two legendary animals. Right. And I think game. a lot of that comes back to what we had already said in that, you know, they say, here's your cultists. You found enough clues to figure out where they're at. They're marked on the map. Figure it out. Right. But they also reward you if you were to randomly kill somebody and they're mm-hmm. like, hey, by the way, that was a cultist. Good job. Wink, wink, nudge, right. nudge. And those like, are that always feels like, cool. oh, yes. Right. So here's so. So thus in lies my problem is I did all of these things. The biggest region of them all is Sparta. It's mm-hmm. it's like that where Sparta huge is and where like mountains everywhere. Yep. Huge area. That tough one to was traverse. the longest. Tough to traverse. Very tough to traverse. I took on a side mission either in Greece or one of the towns. I don't remember which one it was, but it I or and it wasn't be Greece. It would be Olympia, um, where uh, a a a maybe it was Athens. I think an Athenian soldier gave me a side quest to kill Spartan polymarks. Yes, in the forts, which are. Mm-hmm. In the Spartan forts, they're colored red, and they're in Spartan territories. There are Spartan polymarks that you have to kill, and you have to get these little seals off mm-hmm. of them. And you have to do this quest step multiple times. So you bring him three, you get the next quest step, which is bring him three more, etc., etc., until there's like one final grandstand that you have to do. I had been doing forts up until that point. We're talking 60 hours plus of just doing all of that stuff. I had killed so many polymarks. Not once did I ever get a quest item for a seal. But I I had to go back to all of them, kill polymarks again, get more seals. Granted, I knew where they were. I could fast travel to them-ish. That frustrated me to no end. If you're going to reward me for my 
gameplay style of killing somebody of importance that even though I didn't know they were important and you're rewarding me for it, why wouldn't you also have the polymarchs drop seals and be like, oh, I wonder what this seal is. I'll keep it for now. You can label it as a quest item. I've picked up multiple things that are labeled as quest items that I don't have have a clue what they're for. Yeah. Right. So why why was that the one thing that you made me go back and do? And then I found that happen a few other times with other quests where it's like I already been there. I already ransacked that place. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, but now that I have the quest, I know specifically that there's this little thing in the corner here that I couldn't interact with before. But now I can interact with it. Like if if you're going to go all in uh, or if you're going to go that direction, I want you just to go all in with it. Yeah. Like if you're going to just let me play in the sandbox as I want to, then just let me do it. Don't ask me to find the white Lego piece in the sandbox until you've put the white Lego piece in the sandbox. That's frustrating to me. Yeah. And I think I think that's that's in general, that is a problem that a lot of games are guilty of. But the fact that there's like a very obvious like double standard, so to speak, in this game, um, it just makes it that more much more egregious. Um, But yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, any, it's just any frustrating. Last, any last bits that you want to cover on Assassin's Creed? We're, we're going a bit long. No, it's a really good game. It's a damn good game, and it's ambitious, and it's big, and it's yeah. like the closest thing we'll get to a Skyrim until Bethesda releases uh, Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, it's, it's it, it so really is. inexpensive now. So inexpensive. There's so much game. There's hundreds of hours of game here. This is This is a game that if you haven't played it yet, you should put it on your wish list. Wait till it goes on sale. Get it for around twenty. If you get it under twenty, absolutely buy it. Add it to your backlog, and then, I mean, wait. If you get it, you know, if you get it today, and you put it in your backlog, come back around to it. Summer twenty twenty, play mm-hmm. it, and you will be so satisfied. Because I think still, even yeah. a year from now, it'll hold up. Absolutely. 100%. And by then, all of the DLC will have been out. And it's actually already out right included. now. Oh, all of it's already out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they keep adding stuff to it. Now they have the story update where people can just make stories and quests and then just pop them all over the map. And you can yeah. just continue to play other people's stories. Lots of post-launch support. So, I, in yeah. my opinion, um, you know, if you're looking for something RPG-ish, even if you've never touched an Assassin's Creed game, this is just flat out a good RPG game. Um, if you are big into Assassin's Creed, I think probably the best way to approach it is going to be, uh, you know, a, a Greek RPG with Assassin's Creed elements. Yep. Good game. Yes. Just really wants me to marry it, and I'm already taken. <laughs> All right. Um, trying to decide how we want to ap- uh, approach the rest of this because you have quite a bit more on your list than I do, but we're already at that one hour mark all right uh let's just keep going yeah uh let's talk about another big summer release that we both played uh marvel ultimate alliance three yeah we actually played some of that one together online did you did you finish the game i did you did i still haven't i finished the story i didn't do all of the side challenges stuff no uh but i played through the main story I have a lot to say about this game because there's things I really like about it. And then there's things that are just so such outdated design uh, that I don't necessarily want to say it's a 
it's a, it's a fine game. I don't think it's a great game. I don't think it's the marble game we've been waiting for. No. Um, it's it's certainly fun. It's charming. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it, I think what I wrote in my notes here, and I think is very true, is it's very reminiscent of another time. Yes, it feels. This feels like something that would have been an excellent tie-in to like the '90s cartoons. Yeah, it feels like a really cool Xbox 360 game. Yeah, I I, I do not <laughs> disagree with that in any way, shape, or form. No, and that's totally fine. It feels like the old Ultimate Alliance game. I guess is getting at the but on, the only thing about this game that screams 2019 is the fact that it revolves around thanos and the infinity stones which that's one of the points i made here in my notes is it's just i wish they would have went another direction with yeah. the story i think the infinity stones at this point are just a little oversaturated because it's what the mcu has been giving us mm. it's what a lot of cartoons have been giving us it seems to be the hot ticket thanos is the baddie the black order the stones there's so much other marvel material out there i know that they're trying to push the game out to new players and old people who have already played the marvel ultimate alliance games previously i just think there's so much more potential yeah. of things you could have done and places the story could have gone it literally was collect the stones before Thanos does otherwise stuff is going to happen and of course at some point somebody's going to possess all of the stones yeah. and use them and that's going to be the final boss fight mm. won't spoil <laughs> who but it's it you pretty much knew where it was going um, and I really liked the old Ultimate Alliance games because one of them was a very uh, I think two was a very accurate representation of the Civil War from the comic books um, and I thought that was really well done and very topical, but maybe they didn't have a lot of other places to go. You don't really want to blow your wad and go right to Galactus. I totally get that. Sure. Um, that bothered me a little bit. I was also a little confused with some of the odd choices in terms of character representation. Yeah, they're some all of them over felt the map. they're all over the map. Some of them feel like straight out of the 90s x-men cartoon some of them feel like straight out of the comic pages and then others just feel like blatant mcu ripoffs like the the guy that they got to do um nick fury is doing an awful sam jackson impression yeah. <laughs> to the like, point where it's it's laughable it's 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 not funny but you're just like this is this is just cringy it's so hard to listen to because mm. he's it's clearly somebody trying really hard to be sam jackson not nick fury sam, sam jackson. jackson i'm not saying be 1998 white guy with an eye patch sam jackson right. a secret agent that works with punisher i'm talking like it, you can keep him to be the nick fury nick fury but he doesn't have to have sam jackson's voice it's just odd and then like same thing goes for the tony stark and the star lord representations that they had but then you look at the guys like Colossus and Cyclops and you're like, this is straight up just the X-Men 90s cartoon. Yeah. Like, it's just it's weird. It's I, it's like I couldn't that with that. With it, their characters. Yeah. It's like, again, just I sometimes I'm just like pick a lane. And it's so hard these days to do your own thing with the Marvel property because now somebody's overseeing it. Right. And well, that and it's just a, so it, it's everywhere. It it occupies so much of like even just like your peripheral, you know, zeitgeist. Um, right. You know, there, it's it's basically impossible to avoid. 
It's so a total oversaturation. Every, everybody knows what point. the MCU, Iron Man, Captain America, like your core Avengers team. Everybody knows what they look like, what they sound like. Um, so it's really tough to get away from that. And it, I think one of the odd decisions was uh, a lot of the MCU inspired designs. Uh, like you said, they have someone that's essentially just doing like an impersonation of the actor. Like you have a guy that's basically doing Chris Pratt. And then you have things that are totally just out of whack where you have a Captain America design that's I don't heavily inspired is like a vast understatement. It's essentially just like a ripoff of MCU cap, which I don't hate. I think the MCU right. cap design, I, I prefer it over the spandex design. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy that's doing cap is like not even in the same ballpark as no, the dude, MCU he's cap. like all American ballpark hot dogs. Yeah. Say the pledge of allegiance. And it's like freedom in America. Yeah, he's like all these things. You know, these quippy lines that were written that sound like they were ripped from the World War II Cap comic pages. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's frustrating in some regards. And then other people get nailed. Like Nolan North doing Rocket is uncanny. Right, it is so good. He it's channel, so he channels good. enough of Bradley Cooper that you're like, okay, I'm familiar with this, but it's not so much where you're like you're just doing an impression. Right. He's Likewise just, with he's, Deadpool. He, he also that. does Deadpool. Nails it. Nails yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, there's there's good in the game. Some of the one-liner stuff, like Thor is straight up God out of his element. He's not it's very, like... It's the, very MCU Thor 1. Yeah. He's not the Chris Hemsworth we know and love character today. Uh, again, all over the map. Weird choices. So that was hard to get used to every now mm-hmm. and then. My biggest gripe with this game isn't the old style of controls or the the mission structures or the play. The everything was what I expected from the Correct. old Marvel yep. Ultimate mm-hmm. Alliance games. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go into this with it being the Square Enix Avengers game. Right. Um, what really bothers me is how the character leveling and experience happens because. You start playing the game with the team that you want to play, which you only start off with the Guardians, and then you start unlocking more and more people as you progress through the story. And, you know, as you have your encounters with them, they join your squad, et cetera, et cetera. By the time people are enjoying are, are joining your squad, they're leveled to the cap of the uh, story mission that you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody like me who immediately put the guardians of the galaxy away and took on the big four, which is your Marine cap, iron man (laughs) and and Thor, those were the only people I played with. And that's not, that was the choice early on, but it became a necessity towards the end, middle to the end of the game where I literally couldn't play with anybody else up until that point in the story, because I'd have to go back, play old missions with the characters that I'd want to play the new missions with because their characters would be level one through 10. And I need somebody who's level 25 to 35. And because the four characters I'd been playing with are the only people that had been gaining any experience. And I had been pumping cubes into and trying to get the moves for, and, you know, uh, getting bonuses to all their, uh, character actions and stuff. Um, I pumped everything back into them and left everybody else by the wayside. So everybody else became a totally non-viable option. And I was just stuck playing with the core Avengers the whole game. I barely got to touch anybody else. Right. And then in order to get everybody else up to, that level that you need to be at it's just like grind 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 and 
Yeah, you got to go back into these infinity rifts, and you got to do all of these. There's there's a limited kind of like gameplay loop for what you can actually go through and do. So like the grinding is not very fun. It's not like it's not. It's not like Destiny where you have a bunch of different activities that are going to yield the experience and and the items that you want. Um, there's you have to play it a very specific way. You have to find those uh, ISO crystals and like certain ones Dude, to maximize the item management is bogus in this game. There's five different types of XP cubes you can get. There's four different types of ISO crystals with random rolls to each one that each have different tiers. So there's like four tiers of the same crystals. So that's yeah. like 32 different types of crystals you can be finding. And then there's a whole skill matrix on top of that that you get to pump a lot of the coins and stuff. There's like 20 different currencies in this game and items you can pick up. It's just so unnecessarily overwhelming for what you're actually doing. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It, it's def- it definitely feels like a product of a different time. Um, when I was reading through your notes, I pretty much agreed with everything across the ballpark. So I'm just kind of skimming your notes for anything that we haven't... Uh, touch upon oh well uh the difficulty spike oh yeah we didn't talk about that no it's which which brought on my frustrations with the character leveling mm-hmm. but like you were mentioning the the difficulty spikes there's a there's two specific points in this game where all of a sudden everything you've done up to this point isn't enough and the game is almost forcing your hand into why don't you go back and play those infinity rifts that you on yeah. why don't you try to Get some more XP cubes. Get yeah. some more ISO crystals. Walmart Sam Jackson. We found a rift over here. <laughs> Walmart Sam Jackson. <laughs> the great value <laughs> Sam Jackson. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, infuriating. Um, couple it, enemies it, with like just, one hit kills at a point where like you haven't really encountered anything that can kill you in one hit aside from like maybe a boss when you're you know not paying attention this is just like a regular enemy looking at you purple snipers i can't stand when games have such a roller coaster of boss encounters i like them to be exponential climbs you know you start off easy and then it starts introducing more and more different mechanics to you that by the time you get to the the big bad baddie at the end you like layers gotten a good idea of what's going to happen up to this point ocarina of time is the perfect example of this the bosses ex- get exponentially harder and harder until you finally fight ganondorf and ganon and everything you've learned from all the previous fights is now applicable to what you're doing here this does not feel like this you're literally going in and just mashing buttons the only thing you're worried about is the direction you're mashing those buttons there's yeah. no like there's team coordination but is there really team coordination like are are you just you're just no you're just hoping for the big area damage and hoping to take out as much as you can and do as much damage as you can i like the stun mechanic of this game that makes sense to me that you have to stun somebody in order to do damage to them Mm -hmm. but the fact that this game had such easy bosses and then all of a sudden hits you with just an impossible amount of AOE on screen. And And then this is not on a system that is good for tons of stuff occurring on the screen. No, especially if you're docking it on the TV. Yeah. Well, either, either I found it was tough on, on big screen and on a small screen. Like 
when there is so much stuff going on on the screen, the the Switch just can't keep up with it. And even with this like pretty limited uh, art style, it it chugs a little bit. You know, you get a lot of frames dropping. Um, yeah. God forbid you're playing this with someone else in the same room on the same console. Uh, we both Dude. played it on our own consoles, but we were talking to uh, our friends Bob and Krista who played it together uh, on their Switch uh, couch co-op, like true authentic couch co-op style. Mm-hmm. And from what we gleaned from that, it's wildly different. And a lot of it comes from the archaic camera where it will zoom out as far as it needs to so that you, both <laughs> people can be seen on the screen. And therefore your character is teeny tiny and the further out it goes and the more stuff appears on screen you know yeah they put a little ring a colored ring around your character but when you have when your ring is red and there's red fireballs and all kinds of other stuff flying around the screen like you're gonna get lost like it's it's worse than the most crowded cluttered smash brothers game you've ever played and even more so than that when you're in a small room with a bunch of people and the camera is stuck inside the walls of the and you're now this this is like like dawn of 3d gaming levels of what is this camera doing does super mario 64 had a better camera than this game and that camera is an actual flying entity in the world that like sits in the level with you right well, that's the thing is like if you think so if you think of the camera as it shows you the game space as like a physical entity, most mm-hmm. games, when you put your characters back against the wall, the camera is going to stop at the wall and then your character is just going to fill the screen. Not the case right. with this game. It's just going to say there's a wall there. Don't care through the wall. And then you might be <laughs> looking at a piece of, you know, prefab furniture or a wall that you can't see through. Or sometimes uh, I've seen videos where the camera is like under the level and you can't see what's going on but i will say that there are some uh like set piece moments that are phenomenal um yeah. for the one that jumps out to me is when you were going through um shadowland mm-hmm. and you're oh like, it does that hallway scene it's a hallway it's like the japanese style like paper wall type of deal everybody in your team is just a black silhouette and there's just like a whole mess of enemies coming at you from the right side of the screen and your team's plowing through them on the left i was doing wolverine on that part and i was just (laughs) hacking through super Mm -hmm. cool highly cinematic very comic booky looked awesome dude i had a blast i really enjoyed going through stark tower uh during that level and then that boss battle was awesome Mm -hmm. where you fight ultron and Ant-Man ends up showing up to help you and he ends up going into Giant-Man. Thank goodness like, Ant-Man, in my opinion, he was one of the ones that struck a good balance of MCU designs and kind of doing its own thing. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see. I've heard rumors that he first DLC characters for the Square Enix Avengers game. And I'm very curious to see how that works out because sure from everything I've heard and seen, it sounds pretty gnarly. Yeah. Anything else um, big you want to talk about here with uh, Ultimate Alliance 3? No, I just... It, it, decent game. I had fun with it, but by the last couple missions, I was like, I just kind of want to get through this and see yeah. the end and put it away. Yeah, Super fun at the beginning. Don't get it. Super, super fun. I, I, well, I would say wait till it goes on sale, but it's a Switch game, so... Yeah. <laughs> Good luck true. with that. Um, 
worth picking up if if you know if you're looking for if you have a Marvel itch that needs scratching. I, mm-hmm. I would I would watch Endgame if if you really have an itch. Um, but I mean that's it. It's not it's not a bad game. Wouldn't, no, wouldn't definitely not, not. Wouldn't not recommend, but I wouldn't say it's like you need to go out and buy it right now. Yeah, there's not much else that's going to really scratch that game Marvel game itch. Yeah. I mean, unless you haven't played Spider-Man, in which case, I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, we got one more that we've both tried here. Why don't we hit that up, see how much time's left, and if we need to talk about some of the other games I've been playing another time, we can do that. Sure. Um, All right. So the last one we got, uh, big No Man's Sky update came out over the summer. No Man's Sky Beyond. It's own separate new game. Might as well make it a new game. Um, It's called the Beyond Update. Adds a bunch of ish. uh, One of which uh, is VR. And Brandon and I both tried VR. I tried Vive on PC. You tried PSVR on PS4. Mm -hmm. Brandon, tell me about your time in No Man's Sky again. Uh, All right. So my experience with this beyond update has pretty much been just on the vr side of it i have not put a whole lot of time into all the other stuff that it has added to the game and that list of things that it has added is quite extensive um i would say that out of every vr game that i have played so far every single one every single one this one has felt the most immersive in terms of what you can do. And like, it, uh, it really is kind of like a, um, how do I want to say it? Not like a harbinger, uh, but like, a. this is like the writing on the wall of what VR can be. You have a very, uh, expansive game that has a variety of things to do and you are in that game world. Um, the first thing that I did, and I knew it was going to be the first thing I did because this is something that I have wanted to do since day one of getting a PSVR was I was going to get in my ship. I was going to take off and start <laughs> flying around in virtual reality space. Okay. Played the Call of Duty, the Jackal free thing was all right. Yeah. You know, it was okay. Haven't played the Star Wars one. Heard it's pretty good. Um, just don't feel like paying the price for uh you know whatever 15 20 minute experience for a game that um you know not going to play 99% of um so i wanted this i wanted this to be my fly around in space in vr thing so that's what i did got in my ship and i i was blown away at how in the game i felt um so the nice thing that kind of works to the VR's advantage is like obviously like you are a space explorer, so you got your helmet, so it's like you got your VR uh, visor on. It's, that's your helmet. Makes sense, you know. Kind of makes that connection in your brain as to why you got something hanging off your face. Um, so I hop in my spaceship. Cockpit comes down. I'm looking around. Oh, cool. There's a throttle. Oh, cool. There's a joystick. Oh, look, if I want to get out, there's a little handle on the canopy of my ship. And if I pull that up, oh, I'm outside now. I'm going to hop back in, looking around. I lean forward. I'm like, oh, look at that. If I lean forward, I can see the top part of the nose of my ship. And the more I lean forward, the more of it I can see. I can look out. Hey, there's my wing. Hey, 
there's my other wing. I'm looking up. I can see the the dorsal fin on the top of my ship. This is cool. Turn around. I'm like checking out my seat, looking at like the consoles and all the flippy floppy buttons and stuff. I'm like, all right, how do I fly this thing? Get the moves right because you can play with moves or the controller. Yeah. You literally grab onto the joystick and the throttle, click on your triggers, and then your hands lock to it. Throw that throttle forward, pull that joystick back. Dude, you're flying. And it felt so awesome. Were you sitting down or standing up? I played it sitting. I played it sitting. And just for like putting around, feels sweet, dude. I was like straight up Han Solo flying around and just like every time I wanted to go fast, I'm just like in my mind, I'm probably, I'm sure several times audibly, I was just like, punch it, Chewy, throw that (laughs) throttle forward, flying around, come into like the atmosphere of a planet and I'm like finding where I want to land and I'm just like, you know, going in, just guns hot pull back on the throttle, throw down the brake and like do a little like, uh, you know, banking turn, land my ship, flip open that canopy. And I'm like, yeah, like I am the space master. <laughs> I'm going to go dogfight. I don't like these controls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Super sucky controls for dogfighting, at least with the PSVR. Yeah. Cause those moves, man, do they suck? But the nice thing about that is that you you can if, if you turn your controller on um you can just pick it up and tap a button and it'll swap over into the normal game controls so i do all my flying and exploring with the moves do my walking around with the moves but like you know when i got to throw down with some space pirates i'm picking up the controller and just you know going at them um the only real drawback to that is that your um the inversion is opposite for at least for me whenever i go mm-hmm. from using the the virtual joystick to the actual controller um so you have to go in the menu and flip flop which sucks when you're like just you know you're going through your inventory or something and it gives you that warning that you know a hostile vessel is scanning you and you're just like trying to organize and then you have to hurry up go into your menu invert or uninvert whatever one it is mm-hmm. and then start fighting um but the, the being in the cockpit adds a, a huge once you you know realize what works and what doesn't work for you for the dog fighting just being able to see something you know arc up above you and then follow it with your head and actually track it with you know your yeah real line of sight with the dog fighting made a huge difference so um did a lot of flying around and dog fighting kind of i just i jumped into the save that i already had started because i had a lot of stuff that i wanted to smart check out and you know, I don't want to have to work back up to it because I'd already put another like probably 40, 50 hours into that save. But I just jump back in. Um, <clears throat> the game does a really good job of explaining like the new stuff with the VR and just kind of reacquainting you to it. I don't know what the um, beginning stages of the game are like um, with the VR update, but um, fidelity wise, like on the PSVR, it was super smooth. That's, I think, one of the biggest advantages of the PSVR is that Sony will not allow. A release to come out unless it's a consistent frame rate so you don't have any hitches or chugging or anything like that it does come with the quality uh, or the, the drop off of quality um, I would say it's if you've played Skyrim on PSVR it's about the same level of like blurriness um, but this game does not have a PS Pro patch yet at least the last time I played that I mean I could be corrected on that um, <clears throat> but uh, it's 
I would assume it's going to get one because the base game got a PS Pro patch. So I think maybe that's just something that they're kind of holding off on to get the the mm-hmm. big important bug fixes that are going to affect more platforms and more users. Uh, get that stuff out of the way first. And they were cranking out updates from the time it dropped, like at least one a day, sometimes two or three in a single day, which was awesome. You know, kudos to them. Uh, in my opinion, they've they, they've done the impossible, and I think they've really shook off. Um, you know, a bad first impression and they've really come back and they've come back strong and have delivered on everything and more that they had been talking about, uh, you know, what, three years ago now. So uh, super, super happy with it. Love the VR. Um, I don't know. I just, if you have a PS VR, you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't play this one because it is st- pennies on the dollar because of you know how it was initially received there you can find a copy of this for so so cheap for playstation mm-hmm. oh um, yeah what was your experience like on uh your vive uh it was i so i started a new game which i shouldn't have done just because I wanted to see what it was like to kind of start on the planet, find mm-hmm. the ship, do that a whole thing in VR and get that whole experience. I should have just hopped into a game where I could have just hopped into a ship, fueled it up and gone into space yeah. because that's like a 35 to 40 minute expedition if you are on a bad planet. Yeah. So, of course, I started on a hostile planet where everything's trying to kill me immediately. So I had to try to heighten survive. And it 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 started as... Um, I started using with the teleportation controls and I think that was hurting me because every time I teleported it had to reload the world around me. Oh wow. So all the textures would pop in and pop out every time I every time <clears throat> it would teleport. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna turn on smooth transition, see how walking works, and that was exponentially better. Yeah. So I, I, I always I recommend- go like first thing I do in any VR game, like, all right, what are my comfort controls? Off, 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 off. Yeah, it, ne- it never motion blur off all that stuff. Never had off. motion sickness. Fortunately, I don't Awful. know my my head is made for VR. So I had a moment <laughs> where when I first turned on smooth transition, I was walking around. I was okay. I'm getting this. I get it. And then I hit the jetpack, and I like my, my stomach dropped like through like you know when like your stomach drops mm-hmm. and you hit like a bump in the road at the right speed, you come down. It's like that, that level in super hot VR where you have to jump off of the. Uh, yes, yes. it's exactly like that. <laughs> it's like there's a level in um, in another PSVR game, Blood and Truth, where you're running down a succession of rooftops and you're like jumping through glass and stuff. And it, it's like it does it, like your stomach just sinks in the best way. Yeah. And that happened when I did that with uh, with the jetpack. What long story short, um, the, it wasn't as as smooth as I would have wanted it to be it seemed very it seemed like my PC was chugging really hard Mm -hmm. to not only have the game run 1080 60 for the Vive but just on with the planet I was on with all the stuff that was happening it was just not a great scene so I tried to turn down as much as I could I got it to a nice smooth area um, finally got everything working uh, with my ship got everything back the controls are it's a good mix of intuitive and then huh okay like uh i really like the idea of putting um a lot of the smaller menus just like on your wrist yeah a little like so, hologram yeah like little holograms that you have to like 
point back and like point at what you want with your one hand on your other wrist and be like, okay, I want to do that. And like, it puts up a little hologram. So that's, that's cool. That feels sci-fi space age star Warsy to me. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, but just like real quick to interject here. Um, I don't know if this is just like a me thing. Um, did you have like the unshakable instinct to shake your wrist when you wanted to get out of a menu? No, I don't know if that's the thing from, cause I, I had, uh, before I had my Apple watch, I had a pebble and like when you wanted to get out of a screen or, or even just like with your, with like an Apple watch, like to wake it up. Like if you shake your wrist, I have it set up. So oh, yeah. do that for whatever reason. Like I, even though I knew that it wouldn't do anything, I could not, not just sit there and like, just waggle the, the controller, shake my wrist to try to make stuff yeah. go away. Like I was trying to like shake it off my wrist and like, I don't know to me that speaks to the immersion. Cause I'm just going off of, you know, uh, yeah, a more or less reflexive thing for for technology on my wrist. Um, I, don't know, I was just wondering if that was a me thing or or what. And it looks like it's a me thing. I didn't do that. I found myself putting my hand down though whenever I'd be done and not exiting out of the menu. And so I yeah. would just put my hand down, and then this like blue hologram would just like be shooting out into the <laughs> ether. Yeah. But when I first like got into my cockpit, and I actually, when I opened, I don't know if you can tell, but in my basement here where I have five set up, you can see one of the light boxes over mm-hmm. here in the corner. Um, I w- opened up the hatch and I hit the ceiling because I, I was just like, Yeah, open the cockpit. It's and like, so satisfying. And my wife, my wife was sitting on the couch and I, I hit the ceiling and just we heard both heard like the crack of my five controller and we both just kind of stopped and i like tilted up my thing and i looked at her and i was like eh, eh, it's okay and i just put my thing down <laughs> yeah. but i had like i had like paint chips like fell down i hit the ceiling so hard but i had the exact same thing you did when you like take off the the landing thrusters and you just go into like your hover mode above the planet i was so giddy I was like, the cockpits are so detailed too. And every, every ship has a different cockpit. Yeah. I even love just like adding things like, Hey, when you mining tool out, actually reach behind your bag, like I reach behind Mm -hmm. your back, grab it, pull it out, use it, and then stow it when you don't want to use it. I was like, yes, a scanner just like, yeah, just putting your hand up to your Mm -hmm. thing and using it to scan. Like, I love that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is, is like the immersion stuff for me, Mm -hmm. but flying, incredible flying into space the freaking worst because those i was trying i was doing the same thing with the vive controllers i was trying to use them as the joystick and the throttle which throttle excellent joystick Mm -hmm. the most sensitive thing that's ever been manufactured it's it's either far too sensitive or way too unresponsive like there's no happy in between i had sat there for a long time playing with the numbers oh yeah looking up stuff on the PSVR Reddit just to see if anybody came up with anything good. Everyone's like, oh, it should be under this. And you have to hit your trigger at, like when it's already set up in like the same position that you would grab an actual joystick and you got to put the ball of the move on your thigh. No, sorry. Pick it up my controller and yeah. just using that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not conforming to what's going to make the game work best. I'm just going to do what I think I should do. And the game should be intuitive enough to right adhere to that if this game got hoda support i'd see a real world i'd be see you never (laughs) see you never i'm finding my own planet and just living that yeah but for it's i think it's i think it's too arcadey 
for them to pursue that right very readily but man mm, mm-hmm. i really consider dropping some coin dude it's the, uh, throttle and joystick i i do want to echo what you said uh because um the publisher hello games has gone way beyond what any developer who got the level of backlash and hate and uh, negativity that they did when the game originally launched and it was a shell of what they had promised mm-hmm. and it was a mess, a technical nightmare, it wasn't running on anything properly, there was no point to it, it was literally just a sandbox with like a linear story that was nearly next to impossible to progress um, they have really, they, it's a whole game it is literally a different game if you have not played no man's sky in the last year plus it is a whole new game hello games deserves every praise and a comment and uh um what's the word i'm looking for all the praise that they they are getting they deserve is it's very accolades yeah i agree accolades thank you um it's just probably not for me I don't think these types of games, it was the same thing with Minecraft. It was the same thing with Subnautica. It was the same thing with Stardew Valley. When you give me uh, unlimited resources and stuff to do, and it's just like, you can just do whatever you want. Make your own farm. Find your own planet. Do your own thing. Dig for diamonds. Create a mine shaft or build a house or survive. Like, what do you want to do? The stuff where there's no direction, unless I'm playing with other people like yourself or a group of people and we are like minded and Mm -hmm. we have we're making our own objectives, then I'm really into it. Uh, But when it's just like, here's the world, go out and explore it. This is a, a universe that we've created for you. An entire universe. Yeah. Endless planets. Um. I think that's so cool, but I'm just like, I don't know. That's something that, again, it's one of those games that's asking for your hand in marriage. And I just, I I don't, there's so many other things I want to do. If I get really into No Man's Sky, I know I'm not going to play or want to play anything else. But I also know that No Man's Sky is just going to be that chill out, mine some things, build some that, ride some this, hunt down some that. Yeah, it's a super chill game. Um, I've, I've turned off the music and I just I have like a sci-fi ambiance playlist on uh, Spotify that I just pull up and just I just fly around in space, mine some stuff, and just it's it's such a chill experience. I think that's probably the the best way to play it is just you know zonk out. Dude, I uh, I started doing the same thing when uh, when the destiny cross save was announced and it launched and I was able to play all of my PS4 stuff on PC. The first day I played on PC, the first thing I did was fire up Spotify and I threw on like all the guardians of the galaxy songs, just like in one big playlist from volume (laughs) one and volume two. And it made Mm. destiny. I turned off the music and destiny, but I left the sound effects up. Mm. Dude, you would have thought you were playing guardians of the galaxy. (laughs) It felt so good. I can't recommend that enough to anybody listening. If you have a game that you're playing, try to find a playlist, especially one that you're just like mindlessly doing stuff in, like whether you're grinding for something or doing weekly or daily objectives or whatever it is. And you've already played the game so much. You know the music by heart. You know the sounds by heart. Throw on a playlist. It changes everything. 
I've thrown on like classic metal playlists, like classic metal rock playing like games like Destiny and stuff. And Game it changer. just changes the experience. It is so much better because that like driving bass and drum like keeps you on the up and up. And it, especially when you're playing like PVP versus PVE, like yeah. I, I've, I'm all about that stuff. That's like my my end of year recommendation to everybody is just BYO soundtrack BYO music. <laughs> yeah. Um, totally. But I've enjoyed what I've played. I would definitely try it out with once I get the PSVR and stuff set up, I would yeah. totally be into that. I just, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't seem to have the thing that's just wants me to play it. And I don't know, what that is there's nothing there that's really enticing me Mm -hmm. i wish i I could put my finger on it yeah i think i think once once we have some time to come back around to it and play it together i think it'll be a a more fulfilling experience there's just too many games there's so much coming out and especially like not even the stuff that we know about like all these games coming out like remnant of the ashes and control that are just doing gangbusters right now that Nobody didn't talk to me about Remnant today. He gave a a hearty recommendation. Dude, it's so good. It's so good. And it has no right to be as good as it is. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about it before? Because that's the most recent thing. I'd I'd rather come back around to that when we have both put some time into it. Yeah, Yeah, because we're we're running long here. I know it's our first one back. We've got a lot to talk about, but I do have uh, the final episode of Mine Hunter that I really want to <laughs> I want to put that one to bed before I have to put myself to bed. Yeah. Totally do that cuz it's <laughs> it's 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 good but it leaves you on a massive banger. Good. I like that. <laughs> I could do an episode about that show. <laughs> Just saying. Mine Hunter's really good. I love it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we'll save a lot of this stuff for now. Yeah, we got I'm plenty to talk about. I'd rather have you know, stuff we didn't get to that we can come back around to, then nothing to talk about, which is thus far we've not had that problem. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's just about going to do it for us then. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that hopped into the, the new Twitch stream and joined us, shout outs to the Roach on 12, Demon Wolf 5544, and One True Villain MS. Thank you guys for joining us chatting with us we appreciate it even if it's just a hello yeah even if it's just a goodbye even if it's just uh yeah we uh we really appreciate hearing from you guys Mm -hmm. hey if you want to watch us on twitch again that's twitch.tv slash the games nat podcast spelled exactly like it sounds Mm -hmm. um streaming on wednesdays now wednesdays wednesdays uh same time same time 839 9 o'clock same time um we got a new look i don't know if you guys have seen it but for those of you who are on twitter uh, brandon put together some incredibly old school nice uh overlays for us uh even the intro was updated a little bit i encourage you if you are listening to the audio check us out on the twitch stream and watch some of our past episodes on facebook facebook.com slash games podcast um so new day new format new uh yeah yeah, pretty much gone through everything. Yep, I think uh, so. This season's episode, since we're on uh, on Twitch now, the uh, video on demand will, should save the stream for uh, thirty days. Ninety days. Ninety days. I thought is it is it nine is it thirty? Uh, I think it's between thirty. 30 and sounds more reasonable. I think it depends on if you have um, Prime, which I 
have Prime on my main Twitch account, but not this one. So there, well, we can always we can archive these on Facebook too. Yeah, you can download straight from here. Um, we might set up a YouTube channel, but we'll we'll let you know once we decide how we want to archive it. But at the very least, um, you will always have access to the uh, the audio via the yep. iTunes RSS feed. So and that, yeah, nothing which will now be going up on Thursday mornings. Yeah, yeah. Nothing about that will change as far as uh, you know how you get your iTunes fix. So if you're an audio listener, you literally have to do nothing but let your phone download us. So, yep. And we appreciate that because it helps us get bumped up in search results. So yeah. some good rate and review as well also helps. Yeah. That helped get us back up to the top since we probably, I'm sure have <laughs> drifted <laughs> in, a, in uh, a time frame. but Hey, it you had time to catch up on the past episode. So if you're, <laughs> yeah, that's what we were doing. No, we're just we're giving everybody that. else a chance. Yeah. 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 Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, Twitch, Facebook, uh, possibly YouTube in the future. You can mm-hmm. catch us. Uh, we're also at Reggie'sHousePodcast.com with all Reggie's, uh, including our boys over at Greedo Shot First, uh, who we just did an episode with uh, a while back where we did some speculation on Star Wars Episode Nine and what we think is going to happen. And that was mm-hmm. before all the sizzle reel stuff came out. And we got some teasers of some pretty cool stuff that could be happening. Yeah. Even if it's just a dream or a nightmare sequence, it's still pretty cool. <laughs> um, go back and listen to that if you haven't. And if you haven't checked out our Greedo, uh, what are you doing? Get on that. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Uh, that's just about going to do it for us. Uh, if there's anything you guys want also email us at the GNA podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the Golf November Alpha podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we'll be here for you next Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera. Things previously said. Brandon, is there anything else you want to leave the kids with at home? Um, yeah, just the usual. You know, uh, the only thing that really matters as far as uh, your opinion is your own opinion. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.